Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Today we're going to look at the fourth chapter of Galatians, verses 1 through 7. What do you believe is the greatest struggle that a Christian faces each day of his life? Is it law versus grace, which is what we've been talking about in Galatians? And I have to tell you, in the day-to-day of my walk, it very seldom comes up where I'm living out of that context where I'm thinking about law versus grace. I rarely think in that context. The issue for me is not law versus grace. It is to live the truth by faith. That's the greatest issue. Because, you know, I can know a lot of things and I can believe a lot of things, but none of those things become real. None of them literally affect my life until I begin to embrace them by faith. Faith is the greatest struggle for us. Because we want to keep everything on a temporal level. In fact, just we just sang about how wonderful and beautiful God is, and everything we compared it to is only what we've seen here on this earth. And reality is that He's so much grander. The Creator is so much grander than the creation. We have to know that the struggle for us is not in understanding the differences between law and grace. But the struggle for us is to, by faith, embrace the fact that we have grace as children of God, that we walk in His love, that we are kept and provided for by Him. Well, the big issue for me is, uh, is faith. And I am constantly at war with whether my life is physical or spiritual. You know, I have to determine to live the truth by faith. As a new creation, I don't become spiritual by living by faith, but I live in the truth of my spirituality. I don't create anything by faith. I embrace the truth by faith. Paul is writing uh, to the Gentile believers in the territory of Galatia. And what Paul is dealing with in our text today are not unbelievers who must choose salvation versus the law, or the religious lie that you can be righteous by the law. He is dealing with believers who are choosing to put faith aside, who are choosing no longer to live by faith, to walk outside of faith. And I'm going to tell you that we can sit here and talk about, well, don't they see the efficacy of grace versus law? Well, yes, they saw it. They experienced it. But faith is not just in the moment. It's in the next moment, and in the next moment, and in the next moment. And it's not just when you feel like you're walking in truth. It is in every moment that you live. If we relegate faith to our circumstances, if we relegate faith to our feelings or to our thoughts, then we won't live in faith. We'll live like everybody else does, in the moment. Here's the thing. 
The enemy doesn't care what you believe in as long as faith is excluded. He doesn't care whether you're Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Catholic, whatever you are, as long as faith is not in the mix because without faith, you will never know your God. Now, Paul's writing to these Gentile churches, and these are churches that he and Barnabas had founded and discipled. And as soon as Paul would leave the church, it's been our experience every time that in these letters, every time Paul would leave the church, in would come the false teachers, the false apostles. And their desire was to put the Galatian Gentiles under the law. Well, why is it? Because these people are Judaizers. They're people that have come out of the Jewish faith. They have literally made their identity in keeping the law. Just like Paul talked about being a Pharisee. Their identity was keep in keeping the law. Their, their status was in keeping the law. And they wanted to put the Gentiles under the law as well. And so they're coming in and they're saying, okay, in order to really be saved, you need to be circumcised. Because after all, Abraham was circumcised. But Abraham was circumcised after God declared him righteous, justified by faith. So that didn't hold water. They also wanted to put them under ceremonial law so that they had to act according to the law of Moses and according to the Levitical law. And Paul is combating this. He's coming to them and he's basically saying to them, listen guys, you will never ever be made righteous by the law. You will never ever be justified by your adherence to the law. The law cannot give you life. So what we're seeing here is that they are seeking to establish their own way to God through Judaism. And as I pointed out to you last week, and if you were here, well, you're going to hear it again. How's that? The Jewish people had literally come to the conclusion that the law was given to them in order that they might be righteous before God in adherence to the law, which is a lie. The law was never given to the, to the Jews. The Mosaic law was never given to the Jews in order to make them righteous. The law was given in literally in order to make transgression plain. Now we talked about what transgression is. Transgression literally means to rebel against something. It means to violate the law. Now if there's no law, there's no transgression. Am I right? Well, here's where the law was given. In order to show the trespass, in order to reveal the transgression, and what's important, what the important point of this is, is that transgression is revealed as rebellion against God. So, the law was given to reveal the hearts of men who were literally hostile against God, who were born in sin after Adam and had rejected God. It revealed them for their nature. This is necessary. You have to know you're a sinner before you can be saved. Am I right? So God gave them the law. And here's the thing. Everybody was under some form of legalism. Didn't matter whether you were Jewish or Gentile. So transgressions revealed the hostility against law, against God. The law revealed the heart of man. The law actually defined sin and produced transgression. The law was revealing the truth of man's need to be born again. The law cannot impart life. Behavior 
cannot impart life. True life is never given externally. We have John 10.10 where Jesus came and he said, I am come that you might have life. Well, were men living before then? Well, he's obviously talking about something other than physical life. He's talking about true life as God counts it. He says, I am come that you might have life. Life is given by Jesus and received by faith. The righteousness that we possess is the righteousness of Christ. It cannot be given to the flesh. You become righteous by being born again in the Spirit. That's the only way you can you be righteous. Now, the law is temporary. It was to be in effect until the seed would come, and the promise was made, and the promise was made to Christ, and Christ is the realization of the promise. So, the purpose of the law had been distorted by the Jews, so much so that when Christ came as the Messiah, they didn't recognize him. They didn't recognize the purpose of the Messiah's coming. They didn't recognize the purpose of the law. They thought the law was to bring them righteousness. They thought the Messiah was to deliver them from their circumstances. They did not recognize Jesus. And when Jesus tried to steer them towards faith, they crucified him. And hostility against God was revealed once more. The law was temporary. Everyone is born in sin. Sin is a matter of birth, not a matter of behavior. In order to be righteous before God, you must be born of the promised seed, which is Christ. And listen, we've all been born in sin. That's the birth of flesh. I have an innocent little grandbaby girl back there who's wonderful, but you know what? She was born in sin just like the rest of us. You wouldn't know it to look at her. But it's the truth. It's the birth of flesh that births us into sin in need of life. And guess what? The wages of sin is, and this thing, this body, is going to die, isn't it? The Jewish people knew they were waiting for the Messiah, but again, they didn't know who they were waiting for. The law exposed our identity as sinners, estranged, alienated, and hostile towards God. So Israel rejects faith and they remain under the law. And the truth is, you're either under the law or you're under grace. You're either under the law or you're under grace. Now, that doesn't mean the Mosaic law. That can be just simply the law of conscience, which the Gentiles operated on. The law became Israel's discipline. We talked about this last week. The Greek word used there is for guardian or for a tutor in some, some of your translations. The, law, the word that's used there is phytagogos. And it was a title given to a slave, usually an older, educated Greek slave who was a guardian for the boy. And his, his principal job was to be a disciplinarian, was to teach them to obey was to discipline them when they didn't obey. And he was, he was absolutely relentless. He was with them when they got up. He was with them when they went to bed. He walked them to school and handed them over to the teacher. He sat in the class with them. He went back with them and he made sure that everything was done correctly before it was brought back. He was on them night and day. And despite what you may have heard, he was not particularly well loved. He was not an educator per se. He was a disciplinarian, a guardian, 
and the young heir was not allowed to go anywhere without him. That is the Phidagogos. He taught them, but he was not the beloved mentor that some people make him out to be. The young boys were not allowed to go anywhere without him, and they were not the picture of mercy and grace. They were harsh and hard. The Phidagogos would escort them to study and make sure the study was done. It was his sole job, and he was expected to be relentless. And that is why Paul uses the Phidagogos as an illustration of the law. He uses it continually. Let's look at the last three verses of chapter 3. We looked at it last week, so we're going to go over it once more. It actually flows better that way. Verse 26 of chapter 3. For you who are born again have been reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, and are all children of God, set apart for his purposes with full rights and privileges through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, he's speaking again to believers. He's not speaking to unbelievers. So he says to them, For you who are born again have been reborn. Now, the whole issue is that these are believers who are trying to embrace the law and setting faith aside. Now listen, you may think that that was an Old Testament problem or maybe a medieval time problem, but it's going on right now. I deal with it daily, don't you? Every day you're tempted to set faith aside, aren't you? You're tempted to embrace what you see as maybe more secure, more fulfilling. You're tempted to make decisions against trusting God. You would rather trust yourself. You would rather trust circumstances. You would rather trust somebody else. And as a last resort, when we can't get anything else to work, then we call the prayer warriors. Let's get, let's get God involved now. Right? No, that's not right. That's not the way we are to live. I'm going to say it over and over again. We live this life by faith. Faith is not a topical ointment. It is a way of life. So he says to them, You who are born again have been reborn from above. What's he doing? He's reminding them of who they are. You have been transformed, renewed, sanctified, and all children of God set apart for his purposes. They're not living for his purposes. With full rights and privileges through faith in Christ Jesus, they are not living in the fullness of their rights and privileges. Paul is reminding them of all that is theirs. Faith has come. And if you've been born again, if you have by faith trusted in the work of Christ for your salvation, you are no longer the stuff of this world. All of this is true of you. You are an heir, a joint heir with Christ. You have a new identity, and it's no longer in sin. It's no longer in failure. It's not in your body. It's not in your heritage, physical heritage. It is in Christ. Verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, into a spiritual union with Christ, the anointed, have clothed yourself with Christ. That is, you have taken on his characteristics and values. Now, if you haven't received Christ, this isn't true of you. 
But if you have received Christ, you are immersed. This has nothing to do with water baptism. Water baptism is a picture. You were literally immersed into Christ. You know what that picture is? That means totally submerged, saturated in Him. They couldn't get any more Jesus in you. Your new creation being is full to the brim. You have been put into Christ. By faith you are immersed into Christ and you are saturated with His life. Whatever you believe about your, who you are according to the flesh doesn't change who you are according to the Spirit. What God created you to be is what He recognizes as you. He looks upon your new creation and He says, Oh, that's, that's Sabra. I see Sabra. He looks upon your new creation being and He sees you whole. And let me tell you something, he doesn't have to look for you because you're in Christ and you're right there, seated with him. Well, how come I don't feel that? I don't know, how come you didn't feel your left toe when you walked in here? It's not about feeling. Feeling is a distraction from faith. When it affirms truth, it's wonderful, embrace it. But for the most part, it's being manipulated by externals around you, isn't it? It's being manipulated by thoughts that are cast into your head by the enemy. It's being manipulated by your past and the things, the preferences of the past. Feelings are, are endorsing the wrong candidate most of the time. Truth doesn't require feeling. Truth is fact. All truth needs for you to walk in it is faith. That's what we're talking about tonight. If you've received Christ, it's the truth of you. By faith, you are immersed into Christ, saturated with Him. You have been clothed with Christ. And that's your robe of sonship. It's not a covering up of who you are. It's reflecting who you are. Just like I said last week with the prodigal. When the father ran out there, he didn't cover him with that robe in order to cover up him. To cover up the shame. I know... It's been preached. He put it on that boy because he is showing them who that boy is. He's reminding that boy of who he is. This is my son. Put a robe on him. This is my son. Put a ring on his finger. He is, did, did he stop being the man's son when he ran off? No, he didn't. He didn't stop being the man's son. What was the difference between when he came back and when he left? He didn't know what he had. He didn't know who he was. And he ended up feeding on the husk that the pigs would eat. He didn't know. Why didn't he know? Because he forsook the truth. He set the truth aside. So... You have now been covered with robes of righteousness. You are now wearing the robes of sonship. You know, when a young man reached the age of maturity, that is for Greek and Roman boys, there was a ceremony where he changed his robe. And the robe of the child had a color around it, either around the hem or the front of it, but in any case it had a color on it. And part of the ceremony was to remove the robe with the color and to put on him a solid white robe, a toga, that reflected his adulthood. Okay? When that took place, he was no longer 
a slave. He was no longer a child. This is a movement, and it cannot be taken back. He can't say, oh, no, no, I don't want that. I'd rather wear the color. I like the colors better. He can't do that. This was him coming into the truth of what he was born to be, the heir. And they covered him in the toga that said, he is now the heir. He is now able to assume the responsible responsibilities of an heir. And we will treat him accordingly. Listen, everything that Christ had for you and has for you, he's already given you. We don't have to plead. We don't have to beg. It's already true. You are an heir and you're not waiting to inherit. You have inherited all. It is all rightfully yours in Christ. You are wearing the robes of sonship. So they put on the white toga and he was fully vested with all rights and titles and heir. He was no longer treated like a slave. And look at verse 28. It says, There is now no distinction in regard to salvation. Neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female. For you who believe are all one in Christ Jesus. No one can claim spiritual superiority. And if you belong to Christ, verse 29, if you are in Him, then you are Abraham's descendants and spiritual heirs according to the promise. Now what I love about that is it becomes really clear by that verse that you have lost your fleshy identity. Whatever you might be in the flesh is secondary to what you are spiritually. All fleshy identity takes a backseat to what God has made you to be. Not even gender makes a difference. There's nothing, all division, and I've said this many times, all division is in the flesh. Every bit of it's in the flesh. You don't find any division in the spirit. In the spirit, there's union. We were made for union. Now, this is freedom. You've lost all identity in the flesh. You're free because only the flesh can be enslaved. And we are now of the promised seed. We are now free to know God intimately as a child should know the Father. Free to explore and discover the wonder of Him for eternity. And this freedom can only be embraced how? By faith. By faith. It's not secured in the soul. The mind, will, and emotion. The mind, will, and emotion will war against truth in you. If you've not found that to be true, then when did you come out of the coma? It is a reality. The mind, will, and emotion will not be in agreement most of the time. But by faith, we stand in who we are. Paul is telling them what the Judaizers are promising. He's telling the Galatians, he says, what these Judaizers are promising you, you already have. They're telling you that if you obey the law, you'll be in favor with God. You already are. They're telling you that if you do these things, you'll be righteous. You already are. Why in the world would you want to go backwards? Why in the world would you seek to become what you already are? And he's pointing to their immaturity. And he's basically saying what he said in the first verse of chapter 3. This is stupid. It says foolish, but it really means stupid. You're acting in a stupid way. Let's look at Galatians 4, starting with verses 1 and 2. 
Now you're going to hear a lot of things that I've already said because this basically addresses the same things. It addresses it in a way that is more pronounced. But we're still using the same illustration of the children and the guardian. So Paul continues and he says in verses 1 and 2, he says, Now what I mean when I talk about children and their guardians is this. As long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, even though he is the future owner and master of all the estate. But he is under the authority of guardians and household administrators or managers until the date set by his father when he is of legal age. Now Paul continues with this illustration of adoption. Before we were made sons of God, we lived under the guardian of the law, under the direct supervision of a guardian. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.